Okay, I'm going to try something new on the Geekscape podcast, and I want you guys to let me know whether or not it's worth pursuing or not worth pursuing. Basically, I want to start little um, one-off podcasts where we talk about specific subjects based on maybe a movie we've seen or a comic we've read or a video game we played, an experience we've had. Um, and these are just one-offs for you guys out there to grab them. Could these exist as articles? Yeah, I think this one specifically was going to become an article, but it was developing at such a pace that the article just wasn't going to happen. Um, the research it required, the, uh, the time it took to write it and rewrite it, edit it, you take what you can get because you probably weren't going to get that article. And it's definitely something that I thought was worth talking about. I'm talking about P.T. Anderson's The Master. If you've seen The Master, keep listening. If you haven't, we're not really going to uh, talk about the plot or bring you up to speed. So you probably should only be listening to this if you've actually seen the movie. You may not get a whole lot out of it if uh, you haven't because we're going to talk a little bit about in-depth discussion of the movie. Does that make sense, guys? Are you guys into this kind of a podcast? Let me know at the end of it. Uh, but these are kind of discussion starters, just like an article. Um, but unlike an article, they probably are a bit more stream of consciousness and don't have the research or discipline that a, an article, at least how I like to write them, would, be, would necessitate. So there's a plus and a minus to that. The, the, the plus definitely being that at least you get some discussion because I was on my way to not doing this at all. Um, let's talk about P.T. Anderson, The Master. Have you seen it? What did you think? Let's talk about it because, uh, and I asked some buddies of mine about this, like, this has to be the merit of a good film. That while you're watching the movie, you're not very into it. But once the movie ends, for the next week, and it's been a week since I've seen the film, for the next week... Not a day goes by that you don't think about the film or what the film introduced. That's a good film. I didn't think I was enjoying the movie as I was watching it. Now, the movie, as you'll read in other analysis online or other reviews online, follows King Phoenix's character, Freddie Quill. He's kind of uh, aimless after World War II, and he, he falls in with this guy, Lancaster Dodd, who's played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, and he is kind of starting his own thing called The Cause, which a lot of people have been equating to Scientology. And um, I think what's genius about this movie is, the, is that metaphor right there, the, the Scientology metaphor, and this is what I want to talk about in the movie, right now, because um, the movie... As far as a pace goes, I, I, like the storyline is meandering. Um, it feels aimless, much like Freddy is aimless in returning from the Pacific after World War II and, and kind of falling in with whatever job will take him as his, as his, as his mind kind of disintegrates um, throughout this, this movie, as you'll see. And the, the pace of the movie is long, and you don't really know where it's going. And the... That's on a story level, and the scenes start to become almost um, like vignettes. You know, you, you don't really get how each scene corresponds to the one after it or the one before it um, through some of the movie. Sometimes you, you get it, but sometimes uh, P.T. Anderson is there to kind of make you live in those spaces in between, to kind of fill in the blanks, which I think is, a, is, is pretty cool, and I like it when filmmakers can do that. He does not leave you a lot of rope to follow. Um, there's a lot for you to fill in. 
And that's his gift to you as an intelligent audience. Um, that's, that's kind of what this is about. There's less plot here than there was in uh, There Will Be Blood, which I think was fantastic. That being said, and this is how, how the movie starts getting really impressive. That being said, as not a lot is happening on a story level, on a character level, and on a performance level, it's constant. These are the best performances I've seen this year. They'll probably be the best performances I've seen this year. Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix don't let a moment go by that they aren't consciously experiencing these characters and throwing things out onto the screen. Even in silence, these performances are constant and complicated. And, I mean, the tears are... Uh, it works on a, on a lot of levels. And you see the gears constantly working in both actors. Not in a distracting way, in a very realistic way. And it's, it's, it's the most exciting thing about the movie is watching these performances. And it's what, it's what gets you through a film that I, on a plot-wise, I was like, okay, where's this going? How, how much longer we got in this film? Because it's two and a half hours of gorgeous cinematography, incredible performances, very interesting um, th- ideas, but um, it, it, it didn't have the cohesiveness of a plot like um, like some of P.T. Anderson's earlier movies, all of which I really like. And I, and I thought when the credits came up, I didn't like this movie. I, I, the credits came up, and I was like, well, you can't like all of them. But then the next day, I'm thinking about it. On the drive home, I'm thinking about it. A week later, I'm here recording, thinking about it. And it's a complicated movie. And it's a really... I, I, I now realize that I really liked the movie. And the investment it required of me as an audience member. I really enjoyed it. Did I appreciate it as I was sitting in the theater? I think I did. But I appreciated it, again, on a performance level, on a technical level, etc. On a thematic level, on a level of what the movie was about, what it introduced, that took thought later. I'm not that smart. I can't do it while I'm sitting in the theater just watching the pretty pictures. Uh, Later, as I thought about the movie, I started to analyze it for myself. And I can't psychoanalyze P.T. Anderson without... Mr. Anderson being here. I, did, I have met him. Uh, he's a very nice guy. Um, I met him when he came to my school when he was showing uh, maybe my favorite P.T. Anderson movie, the one with, uh, with um, you guys may, may think it, I'm crazy, but the one with uh, Adam Sandler. I, I love Punch Drunk Love. I think it's fantastic. I love every frame of Punch Drunk Love. Um, he's a very nice guy and I read every interview with, that I can find with Pete Anderson because I think he's a fantastic filmmaker and I think he's really interesting a um, couple of things I want to talk about in this movie and we'll, we'll just make this quick but it's, a, it's an invitation for you who've seen the movie to talk to me uh, on Twitter, Facebook on the forums at geekscape.net you, you pick, you pick. Um, or just email me jonathan at geekscape.net uh, a couple things I thought about about this movie, and, and I'm just throwing them out there. I don't have answers. The Scientology cause, the cause, the, the, this, this idea. In the movie, it's described, you know, and I don't know too much about Scientology, but what I know about it, it sounds close. Um, the idea that we as people have existed beforehand, and our spirits have existed in previous lives going on into creation. And we will continue in lives afterwards. And that we're all one being that is trapped in different vessels. And this is our current vessel. Think about that 
as a metaphor for the story. This is the first level I want to talk to you about it. Think about that as a metaphor for story in film. Now, think of scenes in your film as vessels. You have the characters in your story, and they exist in the scenes, but unless the movie runs in real time, which this one does, and it, it covers several years, and there are flashbacks, which put it, you know, maybe covers a decade. Think about the scenes as the vessels and how you're running along a string. Now, a film has two stories. A film has the plot on screen. This is the stuff that you're actually seeing. And then it has the story of the film, the things like Luke Skywalker had a story before the opening of A New Hope, which they filled in in the prequels. But, you know, I mean, there are moments that a film doesn't point a camera at. There There are moments that don't end up in a screenplay. That's the story. You guys know this from screenwriting if you've done screenwriting. The script, the plot of the film, what the film's about, that is the stuff that ends up in the mechanics of the movie. So as a metaphor for film story, I think this idea of vessels and having a previous existence and a post-existence is pretty nice, right? Each of the scenes in a film is uh, is is a, a a vessel is a um, materialization of, of 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 spirit, and the story exists before and exists after and exists between the scenes as well, which is great. Um, so that it, it, you know, I, I I love that idea when especially when I think about movies, and, and I thought that was an interesting metaphor, unintended intended. That's the question I asked for you. Is P.T. Anderson also talking about filmmaking in this that's the major question i want to ask you guys on this uh on this conversation is pt anderson talking about filmmaking in this is he talking about the power of filmmaking and is he talking about himself as a filmmaker all right and this is where i started getting into discussion with some of my fellow peers who are filmmakers and whether or not uh, pt anderson did this is he the master now first let's think about who the actual master in the movie is is it uh, Lancaster Dodd, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, or is it Freddie Quill? Because you'd think that it's Philip Seymour Hoffman because he's the master of this new thing called the cause. And people follow him, and he helps to di- he tries to dictate their lives. Later in the film, once, F- once Freddie's kind of abandoned the cause, and he said he's not going to answer to any master, Philip Seymour, for, Seymour Hoffman, and I'm paraphrasing, says something along the lines of, well, good luck with that. If you ever find a life in which you don't answer to a master, you'll be the first person in existence. We all have masters, right? New iPhone 5 comes out, you want your iPhone 5, <laughs> it's your master, right? Uh, material things can be your master. Your, um, the, the needs of your body are your master. Um, you follow things, you take advice, you listen to my voice, you listen to the voice of your peers, the people you respect, etc., etc. They're your masters. Everybody has a master. And as Freddie... Quill in this movie begins to detach himself more and more from any um, semblance of, of, of like a, a, a conscious, like reactionary human being. Like he, he starts to do things that, that that don't seem to make a lot of sense. Is he masterless? Is he masterless in not having a proper reaction to the things around him? Does that make sense? Is he his own master? So is he the master in the film? Is Freddie Quill the master in the film, being the person who is his own follower? He's a singular entity. He doesn't doesn't operate according to the rules of others. Is he the master, or is Philip Seymour Hoffman the master? Now think about that. Next, 
P.T. Anderson. He's the one weaving this story. He's the one who has us enthralled for two and a half hours. Is he calling himself the master? Again, I've already introduced the idea of this Scientology metaphor of existing before and after the movie in the vessel. Is the film the vessel that are your thoughts that you carry afterwards in your anticipation beforehand? So is that metaphor work as P.T. Anderson being the master and this being the cause, the film? All right, now he has to craft this thing. And he's crafting this thing both consciously and artistically, which may not, and again, I'm not going to psychoanalyze uh, <laughs> P.T. Anderson. I'm just going to do proposals. Uh, but it, it'd be great to talk about all this stuff because I, I think there's, there's a, a way of making art where you design a lot of stuff. And, and this is a very well-designed mechanical, uh, on, on a mechanical level, some of the one-take masters in the film are incredible. The cinematography is incredible. The movie is a well-directed movie. Um... Is he the master? Let's think about this, okay? And let's think about and, and, and the, the conversation I go back to in the movie is the one with uh, the, the Esther, the, you know, the actor from Breaking Bad. He plays uh, this guy, Jesse Plemons. He's an actor. He, he's in Breaking Bad. He's in this current season, half season, whatever you want to call the current thing of Breaking Bad. But he plays Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, Val. And in the movie, and you can see the, the portion in the trailer, he tells Freddie he's just making this up as he goes along. Even though he's following his father as well, he's his father's son, he introduces this idea that Lancaster Dodd is just making this up as he goes along, this whole cause thing. He's just making it up as he goes along. And in interviews that you read with P.T. Anderson, you find out that, uh, you know, I remember when Boogie Nights came out, he said that he started the script of Boogie Nights just as something to entertain his friends, to make his friends laugh. You know, writing about growing up in the valley, making his friends laugh about this guy who wants to be a porn star, and he was just making it up. Um, what else does a filmmaker do than, you know, if it's a story, any storyteller, any artist, then take something and just make something out of their own inspiration, out of thin air, and they follow these, you know, will-o'-wisps of ideas to wherever they lead them, and. That's my question to you on, on that one. Is P.T. Anderson putting himself, is P.T. Anderson making a movie about himself in the idea that as a filmmaker, or any artist really, you're wanting followers and you're, balance, you're doing a balancing act between making things up as you go along and careful design and manipulation. So you see how that, how that conversation in the movie uh, is a bit of a commentary on the movie and the filmmaker himself. Is there, I mean, is, is, the, is the movie that much of a self-analysis? Is it a conscious self-analysis or is it a subconscious self-analysis? I don't know. We need to put Paul Thomas Anderson on the couch to talk to him about this. But I think it's intensely interesting to think about filmmaking and then a self-reflective moment in one's own film in which you say, I'm just making this up as I go along. Not only am I just making this up as I go along, I'm getting followers, I'm getting people who love my movies, and every now and then I'm just throwing them some very careful design, like these one-take masters, like these incredible shots that are in this movie. And so in the creation, I make this thing up as I go along, and then I put form to it, which gives it the credibility that justifies it being followed and respected. How did I not just describe every filmmaker, every artist, Every writer or musician who's ever started with inspiration made it up as they go along and then added form and structure and discipline to it later in order to give it some form of credibility.
now you guys see what I've been thinking about all week after I see The Master. I think I've gone to the point where I really love this movie, and it's taken me by surprise, because seeing the film, I appreciate it on a purely mechanical performance, cinematography, directorial level. But the themes of the movie, the things that the movie introduces, the ideas, are substantial, and they've at least got me thinking this long. Am I making much ado about nothing? I hear a collective shout from many of you that it's yes. But I'm going to stick to my guns on this one because I don't think P.T. Anderson is someone of shallow substance. I think he's somebody who does add a depth and a substance to his work in a, like a multifaceted uh, approach to his work and wants it to work on several levels. I'm going to go ahead and say that some of these things are conscious and some of them just happen from the pure fact and the pure experience of making and telling stories and creating art. If you are a fan of an artist, and if you're an artist yourself, you are taking part in the master relationship that this movie introduces and, and, and explores. I want to see the movie again. Even though I consciously was bored with the narrative while watching the movie the first time, I want to see it again so I can keep looking for things that may tip me off to uh, the answers to some of these ideas I'm presenting. Does that make sense, guys? What do you think? You've seen The Master if you're listening to this, or you want to see The Master now while thinking about this. So that is what I ask of you. All right, I've thrown some metaphors at you. The master's narrative uh, and ideas as metaphor for film, metaphor for the technical aspects of film, metaphor for story, and as a metaphor for the artists themselves, P.T. Anderson, of course, being the one that we're talking about right here. Is he his own master and how much of it is he making up as he goes along and how much of it is uh, the mechanical discipline, you know, craftsmanship that we see on the screen. All right, fools. You guys enjoy this? Cool. We'll talk about Zelda next or something else. All right, guys. Uh, shoot me an email, jonathan at geekscape.net. Follow me on Twitter at jonathanlondon. And, of course, go to geekscape.net and start up this discussion. Peace.